Good morning, good afternoon. How you doing out there today? This is David Robert for the Marketplace of Ideas podcast. I hope you're having a wonderful start to your December. Before we get things kicked off today, moving and grooving, I just want to let you know you can find the Marketplace of Ideas podcast wherever you get your podcast: Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, Apple. We are there, living it up, having a good time. So check us out, Um, you know, subscribe to it. Got a lot of good stuff. Almost at 100 episodes for this podcast. And while you're at it, check out the Adult Fitness Podcast, my other uh, fitness-based podcast. We've got that as well. That's everywhere you get your your podcast. And that is um, available on, like I said, Google, Stitcher, Podbean, you name it. So today we're going to be chatting about bigotry, racism within the monarchy. Now that's nothing new because um, the the history of the monarchy, the British monarchy in particular, has always been rife, one rife with uh, racism and hatred, bigotry, the use of colonial methods to enhance their kingdom. They are the OGs of, uh, you know, getting that money, taking the, <laughs> taking the resources and people from other countries, selling them across the world. I'm not just talking about the transatlantic slave trade, but I'm also talking about what they did to Ireland and to Scotland and what they did to India. I, I once had dinner with a friend and she had a, uh, not an expat, but a, a, gentle, a lady from... Uh, Britain. And I asked her, uh, as the rest of the world celebrates their freedom from your commonwealth, what do you guys celebrate? You know, and she said, oh, the queen's birthday at the time, you know, before she passed and now it's the king. So <clears throat> the, uh, the, I guess you could say the, not just the British people by any means. And I'm sure there were quote unquote good people within the, uh, within the commonwealth, but on a whole, it's just been it's just been bad news bears when it comes to that institution. When it comes to the people that run it, hopefully, as uh, you know, the old ways sort of die off. The older folks, you know, shake off this mortal coil and head to the to the, the ever after. Maybe we'll see a change. Who knows, right? But we'll we'll see. But today we're talking about um, something that transpired. Um, this week, actually. And it, it hit home to me because myself being a first generation, uh, you know, black Canadian, these questions were often asked quite often. And so we're going to get into it here. Um, growing up, and I'll, I'll do a little back, back history of myself here. Um, growing up within Canada, there was always this feeling that you were, if you weren't, uh, you know, white, uh, a descendant of European ancestry, you didn't really belong, right? That this country had been, you know, stewarded by our Aboriginal First Nations people for thousands of years before any, you know, um, white European settlers landed on, on these shores. And so Canada is a country of immigrants, you know, Italians, Ukrainians, Russians, Poles, Polacks, you know, um, Chinese, Japanese, North and South Korean. 
Everywhere you can, if you throw a rock on the map, you'll find somebody that has traveled from wherever it is to come to Canada. It is a melting pot of the highest order, and it's one of the greatest, in my opinion, one of the, if not the greatest country to live in. And it has its problems, it has its flaws, just like every other country, but, you know, they're, they're doing the Lord's work. They are doing, giving it the old college try, and... With diversity and people coming into the country, it helps with the GDP, it helps with, you know, the fact that people just aren't having enough babies to actually maintain the population for the elderly and the people that are passing away. So immigration is a necessity as well as it is a welcomed way to add more inclusion and diversity to a society. But there's always that feeling, you know, in the pit of your gut that says, unless you are, you know, as my daughter likes to say, peach-skinned, um, you know, you're not from around here. You know, it could be the accent, it could be the color of your skin, it could be, you know, the thickness of your hair, whatever the case might be, you're looked upon as an other, even though you're born here. I have a, a former co-worker uh, named Twyla, who I used to work with at the YMCA, and she not only was born here, but her parents were born here as well. There's an amazing tradition of black, escaped black slaves that um, came to the North Star to cross the Canadian border from the horrors of Jim Crow and segregation in the South of America during uh, Reconstruction and uh, the fight for civil rights and all this other stuff and, you know, the fights for freedom. There are communities within Canada, particularly in Halifax, that have had black, I guess, you know, communities and, and neighborhoods for upwards of more, you know, probably like 60 years or so, 60, 70 years. So you would have people that were not only, you know, their, their kids are born here, but their parents and their parents' parents may have even come over here as well. So it's a, it's a deep-rooted tradition. But when you talk to little kids who may or may not have traveled anywhere outside of Alberta, outside of their province, even outside of their city, to see somebody that has a different hue of skin than you could be a little bit startling and a little bit jarring. I, re I remember years ago, my wife's cousin's uh, family, they have a little boy that asked me, you know, why I was colored or black or whatever. And then I turned to him and I said, well, you know, I don't have to put SPF whatever on in the sun. Sucks to be you. You know, <laughs> he kind of gave me this look. And I just walked away and, you know, it's, 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 children are funny, right? Children are, children are of, uh, innocent and they just, they're just trying to figure things out. But when you get to the adults, uh, it can get a little bit more dicey. And so I've had instances, my brother, my family, where people will ask you, where are you from? You know, and that question could be a very loaded question, a very interesting inquiry into your background. It, it can be as open-ended or as hostile as asking somebody, when are you going to have children? Or when are you going to get married? Or when are you going to stop wearing, you know, wearing your mother's clothing, right? Or stuff like that. <laughs> so in, in particular with this case, what, what took place in you know, Prince William's godmother, if I'm not mistaken, is there was a very unfortunate exchange that went on between, if I could read her name right, uh, Susan Hussey, um, and between, okay, if I can even pronounce her name right, Nagozi Fulani, I hope I'm saying this right. Uh, so it, uh, this interaction took place during a palace reception hosted by Camilla, 
Uh, this was the Queen Consort. So I got this article here from Vanity Fair. It was printed on November 30th, 2020 at 6.03 p.m. So I'm just going to really read it here and then we'll kind of dive into it. Uh, Prince William and Prince Kate's spokesperson responds to racist incident at Buckingham Palace. As the fallout following a race-related incident on Tuesday threatened to overshadow their visit to the United States, the royal couple's office announced racism has no place in our society. Now, this article is written by Katie Nichol. Uh, the Prince and Princesses of Wales touched down in Boston on Wednesday as the fallout following a race-related incident at Buckingham Palace threatened to overshadow their visit to the United States. Prince William's godmother, Susan Hussey, was accused of making racist comments to Ngozi uh, Fulani during a palace reception hosted by Camilla, Queen Consort, on Tuesday after details of the exchange were made public on Twitter by Fulani, exec chief executive of the charity um, Sister Space, uh, let me see, Hussey resigned from her post as Lady of the Household to the King and Queen Consort, effective immediately. Hussey was one of Queen Elizabeth II's longest-serving aides and worked at the palace for more than 60 years. After the death of the Queen, she stayed on at Buckingham, Buckingham Palace to assist Charles and Camilla despite being in her late 80s. Now, just word to the word to the wise here. If your old boss dies and the new boss keeps you on, don't start any shit, you know? Keep your powder dry. You're in your late 80s. What what are you doing? You've had a job for 60 years and you and you muck it up over this foot. But anyways, we'll uh, we'll keep checking on here. So all right, let's see. Um, William is close to his godmother, but moved swiftly to distance himself from her inappropriate lines of questioning and had his spokesperson issue a statement condemning the comments she made, making it clear there is no place for racism in our society. I want to address the story relating to a guest attending a reception at Buckingham Palace last night, a Kensington Palace spokesperson said before the start of the Boston visit. This is a matter of Buckingham Palace... I'm sorry, this is a matter for Buckingham Palace, but as the Prince of Wales spokesperson, I appreciate you're all here and understand you'll want to ask about it, so let me address it head on. I was really disappointed to hear about the guest's experience at Buckingham Palace last night. Obviously, I wasn't there, but racism has no place in our society. The comments were unacceptable, and it is right that the individual has stepped aside with immediate, uh, with immediate effect. So Buckingham Palace has also issued a statement, distancing itself from Hussey. We take this incident extremely seriously and have investigated immediately to establish the full details. In this instant, unacceptable and deeply regrettable comments have been made. We have reached out to Ngozi Fulani, Fulani, I hope I'm saying that right, on this matter and, and are inviting her to discuss all elements of her experience in person if she wishes, it read. In the meantime, the individual concerned would like to express her profound apologies for the hurt caused and has stepped aside from her honorary role with immediate effect. All members of the household are being reminded of the diversity and inclusivity policies which are required to uphold at where which they are required to uphold at all times. So on Wednesday, Fulani described the conversation as a violation and said the experience will never leave me. So here's what happened. According to Fulania, Hussey, I can't get over that last name. She's a hussy, you know, just, ah, man, you can't, you, this stuff writes itself. Hussey repeatedly challenged her about where she was from, asking, no, what part of Africa are you from? 
Despite Fulani's answers that she was born in Britain, the executive, who said the conversation was witnessed by two other women, detailed the full exchange, which she said happened 10 minutes after she arrived. She, she says she was asked, where are you from? With Hussey saying, oh, I can see I'm going to have a challenge getting you to say where you're from. To which Fulani responded, lady, I'm a British national. My parents came here in the 50s uh, when, according to Fulani, Hussey interjected, saying, Oh, I knew we'd get there in the end. You're Caribbean. To which Fulani responded, No, lady, I'm of African heritage, Caribbean descent, and British nationality. The race row is the latest con uh, controversy to engulf the palace that is still reeling from Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's accusations of institutionalized racism within the royal family. In their 2021 interview with Oprah, the couple claimed a member of their family, whom they have never named, made racist comments about the color of their unborn child's skin. The row rumbled on even after the late queen addressed the accusations head on by saying, the recollections may vary over the couple's account of what was actually said. Next week, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex are due to appear uh, to accept the Ripple of Hope Award for their part in taking on institutionalized racism within the royal family at a ceremony in New York City. Sources close to William and Kate have said they are determined uh, they are determined nothing should detract from their trip to Boston and Friday's Earthshot Prize Awards, which aides have said will be William's Super Bowl moment. But the prince is likely to be asked about both the row over his godmother's comments as well as his relationship with his brother. The prince and princess released a statement upon touching down in the, in the United States today saying how much they were delighted to be back and grateful for the warm welcome to the former colony. No, I just added that last part. On this, our first overseas visit since the death of my grandmother, I would like to thank the people of Massachusetts and particularly of Boston for their many tributes paid to the late queen. She remembered her 1976 bicentennial visit with great fondness. My grandmother was one of life's optimists, and so am I. This is why last year we launched the Earthshot Prize with the ambition to create a truly global platform to inspire hope and urgent optimism as we look to save the future of our planet. To the people of Boston, thank you. I'm so grateful to you for allowing us to host the second year of the Earthshot Prize in your great city. Catherine and I can't wait to meet many of you in the days ahead. Aides are determined for the media to focus on the Wales official schedule, which is rumored to be included a meeting with President Joe Biden. There you go. So, in essence, this lady was um, acted like a Karen. All right, Karen Hussey. I think we'll rename her. And she broke one of the longest standing traditions within a society when you are talking to people of color or people who are from another part of the world, which is where are you from? Which could which could gain a lot of anger. Almost to the point of if you ask somebody, yo, what's that you claim? You know, kind of thing. Or where, you know, or, um, you know, what part of the city you're from? Because you can't be around here, kind of thing. The end of the day, things like this are commonplace among people who are, you know, black, Asian, uh, whatever the case might be. And sometimes it could be an innocent ask if a person, you know, if you're among mixed company and you just, you hear an accent that sounds very, you know, obviously not of where you're from. So if you're chatting with people and if you're a very thick, you know, Congolese or Caribbean or, you know, um, Asian or Vietnam, Cambodia, wherever, 
you might think it's from, you could ask, hey, might I ask where that accent is from, you know? Or, oh, I, I see you're, you're wearing a certain type of garb or whatever. Is this, you know, what you wear back home? And then they could go on to explain, yes, my country, blah, blah, blah. Um, this is our tradition. This is our custom. This is how we kind of go through life when we're, we're celebrating a birthday or a wedding or blah, blah, blah. There are ways in which you can use decorum and respect to ask somebody where they're from. However, unfortunately, what we saw with this interaction and this exchange was it was basically, I don't want to say like a power play, but it was a way to put somebody in their place, to tell them, I am white, I am older, I am British, you're not white, where are you from? You can't be from here. I just want to let you know the dynamic that's here. I want to let you know that I still don't see you as somebody who's, even though the, the woman's born in Britain, right? The black lady was born there. Um, but she still kept pushing it, saying, where are you really from? Because you can't be from the same place I'm from. We can't be at the same level. And this, this stems back to, I mean, we can go back far as Jim Crow if you want. Um, the class system of Britain is notoriously, you know, familiar and popular. And we saw it imported to the States and Canada and India and all these other places where, based on your money, based on your class, based on your last name based on if you had royal blue blood or if you were of a certain a certain uh, background, that meant that you had access to certain things and it meant that certain things were closed off to you. And nothing was more closed off to people um, based on societal you know, pressures and, and racism than on the color of your skin. So if a woman's coming, and, and just to note, the lady in question who was um, accosted with these ridiculous statements has very Afrocentric hair, meaning that I think it's either in thick dreads or braids, from what I could tell, looks gorgeous. But I mean, there's there's also that institutionalized um, mindset of of the attack on black bodies, which you know you you'll be criticized for your big lips, your your nose, your your thighs, your hips, a lot of things that. Um, various media markets have tried to exploit in their advertising and whatnot. And now we see it, you know, on full display of the people who actually are of that background getting ridiculed for it. And so this lady actually, uh, the, sus the hussy lady actually kind of touched her hair and like moved it and put her hand on her shoulder and like this lady knew her, you know? Like, let me tell you, 80 or not, you're getting hands put on you if, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you touch somebody. And I, I got two daughters of biracial um, origin. I don't know if you can call it that. And I, I give them strict instructions. Do not let anybody touch your hair at all. You know, because again, that's another way that people will try to kind of put you in your place a little bit and say, oh, your hair is so different. Your skin is so exotic, blah, blah, blah. And at the end of the day, what we see here is, is certain things within various institutions haven't changed, right? Um, the British monarchy is not a friend to the people. It is a rotten, wretched, bankrupt, decayed, dare I say, rancid. Fallen kingdom. And what they're doing is they're living off the fumes of what they used to have. Now they still got all the money, Right? They still have all the jewels and the artwork that they stole from other colonies in Africa 
and in Canada and in America in their museums. When the queen was buried, you could see the crown jewels and you could definitely point out where a lot of that money to get that stuff came from. You know, um, but all in all, when dealing with issues of race, the British Commonwealth, the monarchy, Buckingham Palace, whatever you want to name it, Meghan Markle has sort of thrown that wide open. You know, heck, we can even go as far back as Princess Diana and the gentleman that she was dating in Dodi Fayette. People had, you know, speculated for years that the Queen had them taken care of. Now, I don't believe that to be the case, but had she married this gentleman, there would have been an attachment of Egyptian ancestry within the British family, or a connection either way, right, if she had married him. And he wouldn't have had a, a title, but there still would have been that, that connection, a foreigner, if you would, you know, kind of moving into this, this royal established institution. And Meghan Markle, being a, a black woman, um, even though she's, she's half, she's still, she's still regarded as black, and her child being of mixed heritage through the British press and the British population, a lot of people into, into hysteria. There were, I, I remember reading, so I, I'm not going to read all of it because it was pretty horrible, but there was some stuff written of how she was a witch, how she was the reason that, um, that uh, William's brother, Harry, decided to basically abjugate his responsibilities. They called her a harlot. They called her a gold digger. Every name in the book, and plus, she's divorced as well, so that didn't help her case. But being a black woman, coming into that into those hollowed halls, you know, into the place that literally helped to, like, transport people, human beings, to sell them, you know, in the, in the, six, in the 15, 16, and 1700s. It's, uh, it's pretty remarkable that she's, she's lasted this long, to tell you the truth, Meghan Markle, but I think when you look at cases like this, um, people could sort of push it under the rug and say, well, it's no big deal, right? She just asked where are you from? She, but as we've covered, those aren't questions that are asked with the intention of actually finding out where somebody is from. If she actually really wanted to know this um, hussy woman, she could have easily just asked, hey, that's awesome. I love, I love your hair. I love the style. You know, I love that Britain has all, all different races, people coming together, you know, and and been a lot more respectful about it. But it was such an interrogating, almost, I want to say, like, intrusive way of asking somebody where they're from. It, it, could only be, it could only be looked upon as racist. Now, should the woman who had been serving for 60 years, you know, faithfully, without any blemish on her record, be fired in her late 80s, kicked out on the curb because of this? I, I say no. You shouldn't have lost your job because you asked somebody a stupid asinine question. You should have been disciplined, you should have been reprimanded, you know, maybe get you a desk job in the basement or something like that, or taking complaints, um, uh, you know, for the royal desk. But I don't think they should have fired her, because what that does is when you fire people who say stupid shit, right, stupid racist crap, what happens is they victimize themselves. I've seen it all the time. We saw it um, with anybody that spoke out against Black Lives Matter started using the hashtag all lives matter, white lives matter, like we don't know that, right? 
But what happened is, you know, but what took place is that you had now this uh, people who said these things feel like they're the victim, that they're being persecuted. Like they flip the script and they act as though they're the ones that are actually you know, in harm's way, and that, oh, just for speaking out my mind, and this PC culture, and this woke snowflake mob of, you know, uh, of, of whiners can't take some, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, what are we doing? You know, so I would not have fired her. I would not have, you know, kicked her to the curb. I would have had her make a statement, have her sit down with this woman. It wouldn't have to be televised or anything, and just talk it out. You get more out of these interactions of change and you know moving towards something different than if then um, if you have them sit down and work work it out then if you fire the person just get rid of them that's that's not going to help us and and I've said this before on this podcast that the whole canceling out culture isn't going to benefit anybody because in the end of the end of the day they just go underground those feelings don't get resolved so I've had instances where people have asked me where I'm from, and I like to play around with it a little bit. My family's from the Caribbean, particularly I am, like that lady said, I'm of African heritage, um, what was it, African heritage, uh, Canadian nationality, but uh, Caribbean descent kind of thing, right? Which I love that. that, that line right there is just amazing. So I've, you know, people have asked me, hey Dave, where are you from? And I've played with them, you know, oh yeah, I'm from the west side of Edmonton, blah, blah, blah. Well, actually, Castle Downs and then Clairview, you know, and they name all these places. And they'll keep pushing and pushing. And then finally, I'll ask them, like, yo, you ain't, you're not Aboriginal. Where the f*** are you from, you know? You know, I don't, and, and I've, I've always held to this that I'll, I'll, you know, if it's a close family friend or somebody personal or I know, they'll, I'll answer that question no problem. But there have been people that have asked that, and I know what they're actually getting at. I know what they're trying to do. So I just play with it a little bit and kind of put them on their heels. You know, I'm not going not gonna to entertain your foolishness. And that's, that's kind of where you have to stand it. But to actually then fire the woman for what she said is kind of cold. You know, I mean, damn, William, that's your... <laughs> she worked with your mom for 60-odd years, and one, you know, one little... You're out. You know, it's a cold world cold world you know but i'm pretty sure she'll do okay land on her feet maybe get a job at the bbc or something like that you know whatever but yeah i just wanted to chat about that a little bit um i think again we cannot become a society that just disbands and disregards and casts off people for making mistakes or making errors in judgment um this what this lady said was was stupid it was dumb and um, I think I think she regrets it now, obviously, because she's lost her job. Um, she's in disgrace, as it were. But I have a feeling that in doing so, a lot of this, a lot of the feelings towards black people in Britain and in the UK in particular, are not going to get any better. It's just going to be a lot more hardened because people are going to be like, you see, look, you have an opinion, you ask an innocent question, and you get canceled, and blah blah blah. You know, so. Yeah, you know, take it for what it's worth. Um, I think the British monarchy as a whole is a is a bygone era of a of a once great nation, you know, that uh, I personally don't see the use or need for. I, I did hear one person say one thing before we end here that 
what the British monarchy, the crown, you know, the king or queen, whoever sits upon the throne does is they are the conscience, the conscience of, of a nation. You have the military, you have the police, you have the government, and they don't really have anyone to answer to. And so that institution kind of makes sure that the balance is kept, as it were. I don't know how true that is. I, I, it sounds good, but at the end of the day, man, you know, um, the truth comes out, right? And regardless of if this, these institutions are anything that we should keep around, I guess that's for the people of Britain to decide. But bottom line is, man, the lesson learned is don't be a dick, you know? You don't, don't be an idiot, and you might be able to keep your job, <laughs> you know, and all the benefits. So, anyways, hopefully this was entertaining for you, you know, a little, something a little lighthearted. There's been some heavy stuff out there, so it's always good to look at something through the lens of uh, the media and see what's going on out there. But until next time, I want to let you know you can find the Marketplace of Ideas podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We are rolling out there, so uh, enjoy it. And until next time, take care and be good to one another out there. Peace.